Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, here we go, guys. Coming up in, oh, about 30 minutes, 32 minutes from now, we've got crazy tales from Super, uh, super Doc, goodness sakes. <laughs> From Allie Meister. She's going to be telling some crazy, crazy yeah. jokes because she thinks jokes. it's funny. Oh, true. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it Carl? Is it really you? It's me. I am back in the <laughs> saddle again. Welcome back. And hey, Carl. Yeah. You came back on like your favorite day. Congratulations. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Good man. Guess what yeah, day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! I see the smile. Oh, yeah. The smile builds up on your face. I love that one, man. That is so good. It's hump day. Oh, you sounded just like her. Oh, my word. That was scary. That's what Leslie sounds like. (laughs) It's hump day. Wow. Mini Leslie. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I love how deadpan, like, he's got this major energy. (laughs) And then she's like, yeah. It's hump day. It's, It's the person. There's always one of those in the office. It's like, yeah. Okay. I don't really want to interact with your with Whatever. your level, sir. I'm unexcitable. <laughs> so good. It's kind of like me, unexcitable. Yeah, that's true. You that's are. Really you are what I was thinking. Probably lowest energy. Yeah, I'm one of the low energy guys mm-hmm. around here. Yeah. Allie brings the worst, uh, the best out of me. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> no, it's good. You guys doing all right? Yeah. Yeah. So doing great. To Excited to have you back. Of course. It's good to be back. It really is. Great trip away to Mumbai, India, and going to have a lot to share about that, even today. Going to crack it open a little bit. Next week, actually, two weeks from now, um, I have four observations that I feel like the Holy Spirit downloaded into my heart when I was flying out of Zurich back to America. That was, it was, it was really a cool thing, man. I don't know how to describe it, except that I feel like the Lord's dropping stuff into my lap left and right here lately. That's pretty supernatural. Hmm. Really cool. That's awesome. I had a cool thing happen, though, on the flight back. <laughs> so when you fly abroad to places like India, the time zone is so different. Oh, yeah. That, you know, I don't know if I'm awake or asleep right now, yeah. quite candidly. <laughs> That's so fair. So you get so turned around, especially when they're short trips. But... uh I had gotten into, I had made the trip from Mumbai to Zurich, which was uneventful. Going over, everybody, because of weather patterns in Europe and what happened here stateside with the backup, oh, we all got separated. All four of us traveling together, and I was with one guy from India Partners, a, a young kid, 23 years old, he reminds me a little bit of you, Young Thunder. He outpunts his coverage for his age. He's one of the most mature 23-year-olds oh, I've ever met in my life. That's I mean, awesome. I'm talking to this kid, and I'm like, are you 45? <laughs> and this guy's really, really good kid with India Partners. He's a great kid. Uh, but, yeah, we got all separated out. So by the time we landed over there, we had guys 24 hours behind us. Oh, one man. of them was Ray Hashley out of our Moody radio station in Indianapolis. So that was a crazy going down. But on the way back, um, got into to Zurich, and for some reason, I've, I'd had my core body temperature was just cold because I had, when you eat a lot of Indian food for a full week, for which I indulged big time. Oh, 
Because it's so good. Absolutely. And you get, you know, sometimes your stomach flora can get a little bit messed up on trips like this because you're eating stuff, drinking stuff, even though you don't drink, even the people of India don't drink tap water because there's lots of funky stuff in there. But you inadvertently get little... Little bugs work their way into your tummy, and you start. Sure. And I was feeling blah. I landed in Zurich, and I had a seven and a half hour layover. Oh boy! Oh, it's horrible, man. And they had grabbed my carry-on, my roller bag. That's all I took over. They took that in Mumbai because they said it weighed too much for Swiss Air. Swiss Air doesn't want anything over like I think. 17, 18 pounds. Mine was like 25 pounds. Oh, wow. So they took it and I left my puffer jacket in there. So I've just got a light jacket and light shirt. And I was free. Zurich, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's so digging cold over there. Maybe. But they couldn't get this terminal warm and I'm freezing. So I'm getting on the yeah. plane. And I didn't want to be, if you got your bag and you've just got my briefcase with me, that's all I had. I'm like, I'm the last one on because we got a nine-hour flight, nine-and-a-half-hour flight. I'm going to be the last one on. Last thing I want to do is be one of the first on, <laughs> sit on down. And sit for yeah. 45 minutes yeah. to an hour. So I'm the last one on, and a cool thing happened. What, a, what an amazing thing. I'm the last one on, and a really outgoing flight attendant started chatting it up with me. Well, where are you coming from? I said, I've been in Mumbai. She said, oh, wow. What were you doing in Mumbai? And I told her what we were doing. And that's that I had been in the red light district. And I said, I was not a customer. I said, I was there to survey what we're doing to rescue women and their daughters, really, and sons. It's a whole story that just, it's heartbreaking, guys. Mm. But filled with hope. And I said, you know, we... We have this ministry, and I explained to her what we do to bring these girls out and these women out into safe homes. We're going to be partnering up, by the way, Boom Crew with India Partners here. I, what's that, a couple of months away or something yeah, like that? Yeah, in April, I believe. And I was going over there to do an investigative trip to see what in the world's going on with this thing so we can speak intelligently here on air about it. And she said, really? She said, that is so moving. And said, yeah, it really is. And I go back to my seat, and I'm in the deep back. I'm way back from the row 41 seat B. Thank the Lord I'm on aisles. So I plop down, and uh, they're saying buckle up and all that stuff. And before we push away from the gate, she's the head attendant on the whole flight. She comes back to my seat. She says, uh, she bends over. She said, Mr. Clausen? I said, yes. She said, come with me. Grab all your stuff. And she took me up to first class. <gasps> oh, that's awesome. Wow. And she said, I, I want you to, I want you to sit here on this flight. Oh. Wow. So I had an awesome uh, plane ride home. I mean, it's got a back massager in this unit and it does full recline to a bed. Like yeah, like you're fully laid full out. Bed. Oh, that's incredible. And the, uh, you know, three course meal. Yeah. And then they keep coming by with all kinds of goodies. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. But, you know, I got a four-hour sleep, passed out. It was just great. So it was a sweet time. And, you know, those little things are gifts from God. Yeah. yeah just absolutely. little gifts from God that, yeah, it was kind of a cool thing. That's really cool. Yeah. Little cool stuff God does along the way, Boom yeah. Crew, for sure.
But we got a lot of stuff going on here and uh, coming up in a little bit. Have you ever heard of culture shock? Uh, yeah. What is culture shock? We're going to answer that question coming up here in a minute. What is it? And I'm going to put a little twist on it. And then we're going to have a very unique group of people responding to a question that we have here today. Can't wait. Good morning, Boom Crew. We're rolling, guys. God is good. By the way, remember, the tomb is still empty. I can verify it. It's empty. Praise God. Helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, stepping out with Jesus is an interesting thing. And there's a term that I heard many years ago when I first went to the Philippines. They, they warned us of culture shock. And culture shock is normally defined as the experience that one has when they head to another culture so different from theirs. And it usually revolves around depression, discouragement, shock in that it's so different. It's a shock to my system, right? Mm -hmm. It's culture shock. But I've always known this to be true. There is great value in people that go to new cultures especially in Christendom, when you think about Church of the Capital C, there's great benefit to having people come to a land where they've never lived before. And the benefit is, is that every culture on this planet, we included, Boom Crew, have blind spots. Oh, yeah. Things that we can't see. And we might be able to say, yeah, we have them, but we're, we're almost unable to see them as clearly as someone who comes from another culture can see them. Okay. Just by nature of the fact that we're in the soup. You've heard drinking your own bathwater. Well, we drink our own bathwater oftentimes. We just do. I mean, it's part of culture. This is why it's so important to break free from cultural norms and look at the Word of God and go, oh, search me, God. What's going on here? Let me see what you really want me to see. Culture shock is a phenomenon that you can't deny. And there's a central passage of Scripture that illustrates it to a T, right out of Acts chapter 17. Coming up in a moment, we're going to look at Paul's observation in the city of Athens when he went there, and then how this relates to a question that we're going to ask you, and we're going to do a unique group today. So I want you to tune in. If you're a first-generation immigrant, we've got some things to learn from you. There's no question about it. And you might have to reach back to those first days when you set foot on soil here in America and okay. go, hmm, I remember those days. I remember what I saw. Because if you're an immigrant for any time at all, pretty quick, you're in the soup, you're in the bathwater, <laughs> drinking it like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to have some fun with this. Coming up, minute and a half, we'll go to Athens first, and then we'll go to Mumbai. Having a little fun this morning. Carlin Crew Mornings, love you guys. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carlin Crew Mornings. Paul went to Athens. Spirit of God was moving powerfully. And we pick up this narrative here because there was a cultural kind of observation moment here that Paul took to the hill. You love this passage, right? I Ellie? really do. You got it handy? Yeah, where do you want me to start? Verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. 
And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Yeah, so it goes on to say, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. They wanted to cover all their bases. Hmm. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. What a fascinating way to turn people on to Jesus. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he has made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And so he went on to explain about Jesus Christ. It's an amazing passage of scripture. Because Paul walks into a new culture and he says, Hey, the Spirit of God prompted him with, I've got a witnessing opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. By the way, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to see that inscription and go, Oh, let me tell you about the unknown God. Yeah. He's maker of heaven and earth. Absolutely. He's the creator of all things. So now, by virtue of him highlighting who the unknown God is, he's basically decimating all the other idols. Yeah. Decimating them. When we come into a new culture, we can observe a lot of things. We really can. And it's an amazing opportunity that we have. And we have an amazing opportunity to learn both good and bad. Things that are our blind spots and things that are happening that we can benefit from. I mean, Paul looks at the Athenians and he goes, you're religious people. Yeah. You know that there's something way beyond you. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love that he met him where he identified that they were. Yeah. That he didn't start out with all these idols. You realize how blasphemous this is that you've got. I see that you're religious people. This unknown God you worship as unknown. Let me let me tell you who it really is, who he really is. Yeah, it's so cool. So we're going to have a question for you, and let me just frame it this way. There are things that you see when you go to a culture that, oh, oh there's a miss there, but there's things that you look at and you go, oh, there's a win there. Uh, one of the interesting misses that I see when I go to the continent of Africa is that there's still a whole lot of leftover stuff from the missionary efforts many, many years ago. And the missionary efforts were great. Many, many, millions and millions of people. That's why there's more Christians south of the equator than there are north for the first time in history. It's because missionaries did a good job. But they took with them customs and things that aren't always necessarily the greatest thing. If you go to Africa, you'll find that there's certain dress codes and social norms that are not germane to the African continent, but they were brought by missionaries. For instance, you have to wear a tie. 
Hmm. It's become a non-biblical but culturally expected norm. Yeah. You have to wear a tie. Now, where'd they get that? They got that from missionaries. Yeah. Because trust me, you didn't wear a suit and tie back in the African villages of old. I think of what happened in Alaska. Now, they've repaired this, but they began to take some of the native Alaskan drums away from the people because there were some, there was some drumming and chanting that was directly linked to demonic forces and calling up demons. But the vast majority of the use of those drums, which is part of the culture of joy right. and celebration mm-hmm. that God yeah. gives us all. Sure. So we went through, especially the Moravians, when they went to Alaska, they went through some of the Kuskokwim Delta district in the central part of Alaska, and they pulled these things out, and they just carte blanche said, these are all of the devil. We have to be careful when we walk into cultures and make judgment calls, because we can make snap calls that have a long tail effect. And so now you go to Alaska, you see native New Life singers, and they've got their old whale skin drums, and they're beating them to the praise and glory of God. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, very cool. So there's things that we do when we walk into a culture that we can look at and go, that's a, that's a miss. But you can look at other things that are a win. And so here I am in Mumbai, and I went to safe house after safe house that, yes, boom crew, you're going to be getting behind, and the stories are going to rock your world. But you see these children that have been rescued out of generational sex slavery, rescued. Moms made a sacrifice because those, those girls staying in the sex slave trade actually helped them pay off their debt. Wow. And that's the goal. These pimps, many of whom are their own partners, keep them indebted so they can't get out. That's the whole trick. And so to cut those girls loose and to try to give them a fresh start at life is a huge sacrifice in many ways for these mamas. But to see these girls growing and flourishing in the Lord was the most awe-inspiring things you can imagine. I don't have pictures. I have some audio. Can't take pictures of these people. Rightly so, you'd be thrown out on your ear because these are kids that have been exploited and now they're coming back. But to sit in these rooms, these safe houses, and to see what God is doing. And here's the interesting thing. I heard passages of Scripture recited by these girls, ages, are broken up in age frames for these safe homes, all the way from five, six, seven years old, all the way up to first year of college. They have clung to the word of God like we need to learn to cling to the word of God. Wow. Somebody said, do you know a psalm? And I was in this one safe home with all these girls that are high school age, probably 15 to 20 of them there, and they begin to recite in unison, not missing a word, vast portions of psalms stand and dance and sing songs of praise to God that were baked into the core tenets of the Word of God. And what do you hang on to when you have no dad? Your dad is a prior customer of your mom. Don't know who he is. He doesn't know who you are. Your mom's stuck in sex trafficking. 
What do you hang on to? You hang on to God and his word. So are there things when we walk into a culture that we see that we want to not do? Yeah. And there are things that we see that we do want to do. Coming up, we're going to ask you a question, not quite yet. But if you're an immigrant first generation, we want you to hang on because we want to hear from you, don't we, Alan? We absolutely do. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. Making herself laugh no matter who joins her. It's time for Allie Thinks It's Funny. Start with a bit of a sports joke since yes. we were uh, talking <laughs> yes. football. And we've got some big games coming up this weekend. What does a writer have in common with a football player? Writer with a Writers and football players mm, have writer. this one thing in common. Uh, tip of the pen. Um, so this, was a, I don't know. this is a tougher this one. This is a, it's tougher a tough one. one. I don't know. Anxiety over a rough draft. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. That was a, like, oh, no, that was I feel great. like that's like highbrow kind of humor. <laughs> that's, I no, that's, a little less slapstick, no, that, a little, a little no, bit more clever. That's good. That's really good. That's our story here. Anxiety over a rough draft. It is. Okay, Chicago here's Bears, another yeah. one for you. See if this one gets you. Okay. I like this one. How do you weigh a millennial? How do you weigh oh, a millennial? Mm. Oh. I'm a millennial, so I'm taking shots at myself here. How do you weigh a millennial? I have nothing appropriate to share on okay. air. So. I don't know. Instagrams, of course. You weigh them in Instagrams. Oh, for That's how you weigh That was I good. I really like that. that. You know what? That one got a genuine laugh out of me. So <laughs> I thought that one was really clever. Instagrams, yes, you get it. You do. Text the word <laughs> jokes to 312-274-9624. Text jokes oh. to 312-274-9624 if you want today's jokes. There I'll have go. two more for you at 835. See if we can get a laugh there. And really, in all honesty, whether you laugh or not, Allie doesn't care because Allie thinks it's funny. She thinks exactly. it's funny. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So how do they get jokes again? You just text the word jokes. I'll send them to you. 312-274-9624. Just one word triggers the auto reply. Jokes. Instagram. Measured by Instagram. Instagrams. <laughs> it's the newest unit of measurement, didn't you know? Oh, my goodness. That was good. How much do you weigh on Instagrams, Young Thunder? Uh, zero. <laughs> That's what I thought. I haven't made an Instagram post since he's my a, senior year of high school. He's an old soul. Yeah. He still makes collect calls to his dad. Yeah, I mean. he's still. I heard he was still on MySpace. <laughs> I am, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love good MySpace. My Stick space. with the classics, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Talk boy. about the company that didn't pivot when they should have. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they had it. They had it right there in the palm of their hand. I love it. My they had billions of dollars, and they let it slip through their fingers. My favorite thing about MySpace was that. Now, I never had MySpace. I was too young when it was at its prime, but... You always had at least one friend because as soon as you made an account, they automatically friended you to the founder of the company. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> what was his name again? Do you remember Gern his name? Blanston? No, I Jeff? don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. It ain't Bezos, was it? No, it wasn't nope. Jeff Bezos, no. <laughs> Funny stuff. Oh, Those man. are good jokes, Alex. They were good. Thank you. Classics, I really appreciate Allie. it. And really as good. always, I, I, I invite people to send in their jokes. I yeah. had a... I got a, a li Carl, this is news to you. Yes. A couple listeners sent me this cool calendar in the mail. It's a th 
365 oh. days of, of dad jokes. Jokes oh. so bad they're great. So I got a calendar of dad jokes sent of them? to yes. me. So I've That's pulled some calendar. of those for my arsenal of jokes. I just got a, a cool a set of jokes sent by another listener by text message. So I do accept submissions of jokes. If you got some good ones, send them my way. Just How do text they... us. Just text me. Okay. Text us uh, to our number, and I'll see them. Text 312-274-9624, and uh, hopefully I'll use some of them on air. So we're talking culture shock this morning, and I am really looking forward to this. Why, you might ask. Because I love to know blind spots. You guys like to know your blind spots? Yes. I mean, in theory, you know, I'm with you. when I'm confronted with a blind spot, sometimes it's a yeah, little it's harder in the moment. It's easy to get defensive. <laughs> like, well, what do you mean? You don't, you don't think I could see everything perfectly? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah no. Why are you pointing that out for me? Uh, blind spots are a very real thing, and oftentimes you be, you can best see them uh, in a macro level when we have something called culture shock. Now, culture shock is commonly referred to as that thing that happens when you go to a totally different culture and yep. it's you're so inundated with change, whether it be smells or sights or sounds, that it rattles you and... Typical form, type A Carl here. When I went to the Philippines, I like culture shock, culture schmock. I'm not going to have culture shock, a bunch of goofballs. Culture shock is for weak people. <laughs> well, then I found out, oh. It's not. I'm weak. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> I, I had culture shock. And it, it didn't help with the fact that my bride, Janine, ultimately sent me a Dear John letter while I was over there. That's a whole other story for another time. It was actually one of the greatest gifts that she could have given us in our relationship because it got my attention on something in a big way. But while I was in the Philippines, oh, my goodness, there were things that I saw spiritually that I'm like, oh, man, got to work on that. But there were, and they, they couldn't see them because that's the benefit of coming in with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. You can go, whoa, we're missing something here. And I didn't see it and view it in an imperialistic way like, yes, we got the answers, but really just say, oh, there's a gap. But we all have gaps. And by the way, then I was looking at things in that culture and I'm like, now that is a level of Christianity and a way to walk with Jesus that we can learn from in a big way. I think the one I had in the Philippines was that I worked with a group of 12 young boys who went against their cultural norms. One was beat up routinely for being a Protestant. He had given his life to Jesus Christ, and he went away from all the rituals of the, of the Catholic Church in the Philippines, which was very synchronistic with some crazy stuff in that culture. And uh, he walked away from it, walked into an abundant relationship with Jesus Christ, and he paid for it dearly. Mm. His dad would beat him up. And when I say beat him up, I mean throw him around and wow. leave bruises on his arms. So there was a level of commitment to the Lord that was one of the most challenging and beautiful things that I could have ever seen. But we got a question for you today, and this is only for first-generation immigrants. You may have to reach back to when you first arrived here on our soil, and probably best if you were born again and you landed on our ground and you had eyes to see things. And it's kind of a two-pronged question here, isn't it, Allie? Yeah, we want to ask this to immigrants only. What shocked you about our church culture that we can both learn from and be affirmed in? So what did you see in our church culture that you thought, wow, 
Uh, that is not working. And that, yes, keep doing that. What did you see in our church culture that we could both learn from and be affirmed in? 312-274-9624. Now, it's a smaller pool of folks listening that fit this, but I'm excited about this. This is a subset group that we've never talked to before. Not directly. No, not, not specifically just this group. But we, Boom Crew, I'm asking you to call in right now. We will benefit greatly. Let's ask this question one more time, Alex. Sure. What shocked you about our church culture, American church culture? And there's two ways that you could answer this. It could be something that shocked you uh, in a good way, that you go, wow, I want to learn from this. It could be something that shocked you in a not so good way, where you went, I wonder why they do it that way. 312-274-9624. Let's go. Living life for Jesus and having a blast in the process. We're Carling Crew Mornings. Yeah, we're digging deep here, guys, and it's a good one to really cogitate on. I get a jit, Chris, for my right hand man. Give us a call here sometime this morning. He had just a couple of amazing observations. Came from India about 10 years ago and raised as a pastor's kid. So he had pretty good understanding of church culture, good and good handle on the Word of God. But boy, his observations about what we could learn to do better in church culture based on his experience in India, mm-hmm. super profound. And what we get right here that we sometimes miss in his culture, super profound. And so we're asking this question today because, I, look, I just got back from India. I've got this fresh up my mind. Still can smell that good Indian food. Oh, my goodness. There was not a bad meal over there, guys. Oh, my word. So good. (laughs) I love spicy Indian food. It's my favorite food in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you haven't eaten a lot of it, you go deep dive for a week in this stuff. My tummy was rumbling, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) It was rumbling. It's like I'm laying down at night. It's going. I mean, it's like a truck was in my like, stomach like mine every morning yeah like yours Alan. It. <laughs> yeah so we're we're asking a question here today um we got someone that texted in they just told me they're unable to call in right now they came to the states from poland when they were five so this is from a child's perspective they say i remember being amazed at the resources in sunday school isn't that something? Five years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Back in Poland, we had limited children's teaching material back in the 80s. But here in Chicago, there were coloring pages and crafts and loads of Bible storybooks. It blew my mind at the amount of fun material available. Wow. See, this is, this is, this is fun, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are a first-generation immigrant and you come in and you have some fresh eyes, you see things that we don't often see. Yeah. And I think we could be told we've got resources galore, but when you when you're when a five year old makes an observation says you've got resources galore over here. <laughs> I mean, that certainly would give you a fresh appreciation for yeah. the value of what can sometimes not always, but sometimes that can feel like a time filler. A hand a kid a coloring sheet and you know kind of busy yeah. them for a little while, yeah. and then when someone says that, wow, what how incredible that you have these resources that that almost shifts the perspective. Gives you great appreciation. And there's also things that we can learn because you go, oh, here's a gap. And we're not inviting you to take a pot shot at the church. This is so that we can become better. But if you're a first-generation immigrant, I want you to call in and just give us your observations. What do you see that we can learn? And what we see that you learned that we're doing well here? 312-274-9624. 
It's uh, kind of both sides of the same coin. 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. Give us a call right now, guys. First-time callers, any you've been listening for a while, maybe you've called before, now's the time. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Renee from Westmont, Illinois. Renee, uh, first tell us where you immigrated from and then tell us what your observations were. Okay, so um, hi, everyone. Um, I hope you're going to have a blessed day. I ho- um, I came from Poland. So when uh, Carl was talking about the, the uh, person who came as a five years old, you know, from Poland, I, I was thinking, oh, wow, uh, that's that's uh, my peep, right? My person. <laughs> um, <I> love it. <laughs> but I was a little bit older than I came. I was like 30, uh, my 30th, okay. 30s, 30s. And um, what uh, I noticed, uh, I was in a Catholic church. And um, I also, when I came here, I went to Catholic church. But what I noticed uh, that it was such a love, you know, it was understanding. There was no judgment. I was so surprised with that because I don't want to smash uh, church in Poland. Sure. Absolutely not. That's not my. Uh, yeah. That's not my. Uh, um, you know, reason. But yeah. I just want to say what I felt. I when I saw people in jeans, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they came in jeans. This is unacceptable. Uh. You know, that's not okay. You know, that's that's how my heart was set up, you know, from um, the church that you have to come dress up that, you know, but then uh, when I saw people acting, you know, different, and I'm not saying that in American church, everyone is like perfect and everyone is, you know, so good and, right. and far beautiful, from it. But, but that's what I, uh, that's what I saw. I saw different behavior. I saw, you know, different character in in people. And then, you know, more, more I went, um, that's, that's what I saw. I yeah. saw understanding. I saw no judgment. Um, I saw people were coming more for really for God. And uh, even, you know, uh, I remember uh, criticize, uh, criticizing from um, people from Poland that, you know, uh, oh, they, they uh, don't really repent. They don't go to, um, like, you know, um, what is it called? It's more of a uh, cultural thing, right? It's more of a cultural right, thing. Right. So I I thought it was the religious thing to do, that you have to go every month and, you know, confess, and then you can go to communion. But here it was a little bit different, you know, so that's what I noticed. That's uh, great. And and we thank you so much for calling in. This is Fresh Eyes, right, Allie? Yeah, this is, this is good. We'd yeah. love to hear uh, from your perspective. If you are a first-generation immigrant, you came to the American church from some church in another part of the world. What did you see about our culture, that our, our church culture, that both that we can learn from and that you learned from? 312-274-9624. Anita, first-time caller, Chicago. Where? What country did you come from, Anita? I'm from India, Hyderabad. Ha, Hyderabad. That's great. So tell us, what did you learn? And try to hit both sides of the coin. What did you learn that we don't maybe see? And what what did you uh, see that you're like, oh, there's something really powerful there in the church culture? What do you say, Anita? Um, what I see is uh, the communities, you know, different communities. I go to Moody Church, um, so I see all these communities in, in here, which are, I feel like uh, 
that helps people to know God much better. Mm, okay. And to uh, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, in India, I used to go to Hebron Church. I don't know if you have heard about that. It's no, I, I, that's a big country. I was in one city with 12 and a half million people, so I haven't heard about that oh. church. But but okay. what did you what did what's the flip side of the coin? OK, the, what, in our church, um, we give like I've not seen that reverence in some of the churches. I'm not saying like yeah. uh, it's not all churches, but some of the churches where not much reverence is given to the, Law to the God. Mm-hmm. When you come to church, um, you just bring coffee. You come eat, eat a snack while sitting. But I feel like you are in the presence of God, so you have to give reverence to the Lord, which I have not seen here. Yeah, Anita, so, think. Listen, that's a bold move, Anita. First time caller, and yeah. boom, sister. You know, that's a. This is so. This is interesting to me because. I love these kind of discussions because yeah. we can learn so much. What do you think about that, Allie? Well, you know, I just was reading a very interesting um, commentary by uh, John Piper on that very topic. And he he got took a lot of – there was a controversy. He posted something on Twitter about uh, coffee drinking in church and kind of how he wishes there was less of it. And so obviously people had strong reactions. Oh, boy, now you're bumping but, the cup. But one thing that he said – and I, I thought, okay, let me, let me hear him out on this. And so he built a case for – why what he's really what he's really trying to say is he he wishes that there was a culture that was prevalent in church where the awe, the wonder, the gratitude of being there, of what we're sharing and appreciating together made it such that drinking coffee would feel odd. It would feel like an odd move given all that's happening around you. That's really an interesting so take. So it wasn't a legalistic like we shouldn't drink coffee or we shouldn't have ripped yeah. jeans. It was like Let's create an atmosphere that's so worshipful, so vertical that who would who would want to settle for such a lesser thing as sipping their coffee? I I love these kind of yeah. discussions because as you say that, and we hear this from Anita, I think that there is something to be gained by an observation that we might lack some reverence. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. I was traveling to India with a twenty three year old who mm-hmm. is part of a. Uh, a high church. He loves the creeds. He's not big any longer on the show, so to speak. Okay. Those are his words. But is there some benefit to be gained by having, if nothing else, moments of real reverence where we're stopping before a holy God, not just kind of going to another event, mm-hmm. but something that is different? Piper. I got to read that article. Yeah. Boy, he stirred the pot when he, he started talking he, about coffee. He really did. I, you know what? I, It's a good one. And give me a minute and I'll, I will put put it together and give it a keyword if anyone else wants to read it. Because it, it is it definitely is food or coffee for, yeah. for thought. Good. Food or coffee for thought. So what do you say? You're a first generation immigrant. You've come to this country and you see things that the church is doing well and some gaps in the church. And you've just got some perspective we're just asking first-generation immigrants to call in, 312-274-9624, 312-274-9624. Give us a call. Love hearing your perspective. A lot to be gained by this. Yeah. Um, is it a little bit disconcerting to hear someone with fresh eyes on our culture say things like this? 
Yeah, but we got to be humble enough to go, boy, is there some truth in this right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, usually when you want feedback on something, you look for a perspective from someone who's outside of the situation. And so for someone who's coming in with fresh eyes, I think that there can be a lot gained from that. A lot. 312-274-9624. Give us a call. Immigrants, first-generation immigrants. 312-274-9624. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Sometimes culturally, I think we should be singing along with these songs. Got a question for you about culture, and uh, Allie just bumped the cup here a little bit. <laughs> the coffee cup a little bit. I mentioned a, a resource, uh, or an article. I'm going to just call it an article. You make your own opinion on it. Uh, on coffee sipping in the sanctuary. This is uh, some, from Desiring God. If you want to read it uh, give and give us your feedback, we're cool with that too. Just uh, text the word coffee, and I'll send you the link. Text coffee to 312-274-9624. Just text coffee to 312-274-9624. Taking your calls today after getting back from Mumbai, it's fresh on my heart, but we're calling this culture shock. And when you come in with a fresh set of eyes to a culture, as we're asking all the immigrants that are listening today to call in with your observations, you see things about the church that are both positive and negative. And there's things that we can learn, and we're not afraid of this. We can't be afraid to go, what, what, what's your hot take on? And, and by the way, some of these are hard, hard to digest because you go, well, I, we like the way we're doing it. Uh, we need to be humble enough to go, well, well what's, yeah. the, what's the redemptive thread here that maybe we can benefit from? Absolutely. We need to do that. And then if you've got something, you look at the church in America, you can go, I can cheer for it. Great. 312 Two seven four nine six two four. Vanessa from Indiana. What do you say, Vanessa? Hi. Uh, I grew up in the Philippines. I, I became a Christian at fifteen, uh, so I came out of the Catholic Church, and uh, I was always excited, uh, like with how much time I spent. Like with my family wasn't were not believers, so I was always excited to spend a lot of time at church, especially on Sundays where we have morning services and afternoon fellowship. We would have visitation in between and Wednesday prayer meetings. So I was shocked when I came to the States and like it felt like people were complaining about two hours of service in the morning. Thank you, Vanessa. Boom, sister. Thanks for calling in. First generation from the Philippines. Yeah. There is something about length of service that is right on. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling is, you. Yeah, she hit on something there. Because yeah. how do you, I think we're so programmed, because I'm going to be, full disclosure, like if a service starts to, to go like past a certain time, I start getting a little like. A little itchy. Uh, I do. Yeah. I, like I, I think we've been so programmed to expect it to last a certain amount of time with a little variance. Maybe it's 15 minutes longer. But if all of a sudden you're, it's an hour and 15 and then one day it's three hours, yeah. I would say every person in the sanctuary is going to be going, what's going on? Yeah, they're looking yeah. for another church. What, well, is, there, is, there, is that a problem? Well, when I was growing up in the church, it was one hour on the nose. Yeah. And if, and the, and if the preacher went past like high noon, yeah. everybody's like, let's complaints. get going. And by the way, in retrospect... Ugh, that's not healthy. No, I I think, I think the services that we have at 180 Chicago now in most churches, I don't think there's many churches that do hour long services. Most of them are right at a buck fifteen. Yeah, about an hour that, and fifteen. I would say most. Yeah, buck fifteen, buck thirty, something like that, and and that's what we're doing. Um, 
But what's wrong with a two or three hour service well, and no, not when right. the spirit of God is on the move? And it, back to kind of what Vanessa said, might we be more comfortable with longer services if more of what she described was happening? She described that there yeah. was fellowship. There was it seemed it sounded like more interaction. Big so time. might we be open to longer services if it didn't feel like. Many times you were kind of sitting in one seat yeah. for that length of time, kind of watching. Yeah. I think you're right on. And I think the, the something that caught my eye, you know, Allie, like you said, the the perspective that she's coming from, she was also coming from a perspective of none of her family were believers either. And so coming to church was a place of of safely of safety, family and release. And so, you know, you know, is it something like, hey, our church, maybe we're not going to extend the whole day, but we're going to offer extensions of the whole day for people who feel safe here, for people who don't have a a safe place to go home to, a a Christian family to go home to. I think those things are are quite valuable. Good stuff. Good observations. Coming up. uh, My right hand man is going to be calling in here. Oh, good. And he's got some great observations. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We're calling it culture shock and classic culture shock because sight and sounds and everything in culture is so different. It actually rattles you, the person who's traveling to a new culture. But oftentimes there's things that you see that we can benefit from, and I'm speaking specifically about the church. You came from another country or first-generation immigrant, and you came and you saw things that's like, whoa, they're getting that right. Or you go, whoa, I'm not sure they're getting that right. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. 312-274-9624. Uh, with us right now is a dear friend of mine. Why don't you bring him in here, Allie? Yeah, Jed Christopher. He uh, is on staff at 180 Chicago with Carl. He's originally from India. Uh, Jed, I'm really interested to hear Hold your- Hold on, time out. I got to correct one thing. He's my boss. He's not just on staff. No, no. He is I didn't know his official title, so. He, well, I, I know. But, you know, here's the funny thing about him before we bring him on. He's in his 30s. Yes. And he's got all of us 40, 50s, and 60-year-olds that, honestly, I put him in charge of the whole thing. He is such a great leader. And he keeps the ship headed in the right direction. Biblically sound. Oh. He's just how cool that my youngest staff guy is the leader of us That's, all. And that is awesome. I yeah. mean, that is absolutely biblical. It's, it's so cool. That their youth can lead. Ajit, I would love to hear your initial impressions. First, uh, tell us about your church background in India. Hey, guys. So good to be with you uh, today, this morning. Well, I actually almost grew up in the church because my parents, uh, my, my, my dad was a pastor. So, uh, you know, I... I started serving the church when I was eight years old, started, you know, pro- preached my first sermon when I was 12. <laughs> so I was so very ingrained wow. in the Indian church culture. <laughs> okay, so then when you yeah. came to the American church, uh, give us kind of first start with what you observed that you thought, wow, we, we could have more of this. It would help us to have more of this in India. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was because of the way our society in India is construed. We are very communal. So a lot of times there's a lot of societal pressure to conform to what's the norm. Mm. So And that just comes into Christianity as well. There's a lot of cultural Christianity. So you just have to sometimes play, you know, the fact that you're a Christian, just act. So you don't necessarily own your faith. Mm. You know, you just play along with people, you know, because 
our, our social circles are Christians, everything, you know, you can't, you can't be isolated. So, um, so I felt like one of the biggest things that I've learned even just is just to own my faith, to know what I believe in, you know, and really grasp that. And I felt the American church is so good at doing that because even if you walk away from God, you, even when people walk away from God, they, they, they just let you know that they're walking away from God. So there's, <laughs> you know, it's, there's no duplicity, at least in that aspect, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. So then what about the flip side? What did you see that kind of made you scratch your head a little bit, not in judgment, but going, this doesn't make total sense to me. Yeah. Well, let me, let me share a short story, you know, a funny story that happened the first week I was here. So I'm a new immigrant. This is 2012. No context to the culture. I come in. I'm trying to learn the culture. So I meet these new guys. I have no context. I have no family, no friends, nobody in Chicago. I knew no one. And, you know, I start making friends and then I would see them. You know, I, I, I was a student at Moody walking from Jenkins to the dining room and they would go, hey, Ajit. How's it going? And here am I, you know, I, I just stop. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, they're asking how I'm doing. I'm getting ready to actually, like, tell them I'm, how I'm doing. And they're, like, already 25 feet away. <laughs> I just wanted to know how I'm doing, but they're done. So I realized, how is it going? And all of those is just a way to say hi. And it's not necessarily to go deeper into a conversation. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Talk to us, yeah. too, Ajit, uh, one of the observations that you shared with me initially is community and the value of it. And I know it's got some downside in India, but it's got some huge upside as well. What can we learn about community? I think, you know, as believers, as children of God, you know, we're called to live and grow in community. One of my favorite verses is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul says, Flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. We're called to live uh, life together. And one of the things I feel India and, you know, other communal cultures do well is they really come alongside of you. You're not living life alone. I remember growing up as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, having 10 people at home every night. You know, it might sound overwhelming, but it was really something that was fulfilling. And now being here in the United States for 12 years, I really miss that. I really miss, you know, just the the aspect of like having others around me all the time so that I, I don't have to do life alone. And one of the big things with that is just you know, in, in India, we don't have 911. You know, you just can't call 911 and then you're rescued and all of that. We are so dependent on our community. And in fact, when a Hindu gets saved, they're almost abandoned by their family and friends. And they are like now integrated into a new community. So it's almost like when Jesus says, you know, who are my brothers and sisters, those who do the will of God, that literally happens, you know, in our context. And I really wish that for us here in the United States, because I know, there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of isolation and depression and anxiety. And uh, and community could really play a huge role, you know, in, in helping with that. And I really wish that for us. I wish that for our church. And we're moving towards that at 180 Chicago as well. Yeah, we're getting there. And then that's due in large part to Jit. I think I think one of the most one of the most profound gifts that Jit's given me as a man, even though he's could be my son, is just his fresh eyes come into our culture, seeing things. It's like, whoa, we can sharpen up here. And this issue of, of community, especially post-COVID, wow, we've got a lot of isolation. Yeah. 
and we straight up need each other, Allie. It's so true. And I, I love that both the strength and kind of the weakness were tied to the same thing. Yeah. So being a communiculture has the downside of that people were sort of just kind of went along and to go along, to go along. But the plus side is, is that there people were together. Yeah. Really good stuff. Ajit, I love you, young man. You have a great day. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you, buddy. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. That's Ajit Christopher. Wow. What a good kid. We've got one PhD on our staff. That would be Ajit Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the, the, this, this is a kid with great, incredible intellect. He's brilliant, but great humility. And it's a cool thing to have him. I consider him a spiritual son. He's just a great man of God. Isn't he a good kid? I, yeah, I, my, all of my interactions with the JIT have just been phenomenal. He's just a great kid. Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Taking your calls, and this is awesome. This is, uh, and it can be difficult. This isn't happy clappy. Sometimes you hear things about the church, and uh, JIT Christopher, my right-hand man at 180 Chicago, which is called in. And I love this kid's heart. And he says, we just, and he was a little bit more reserved on air than he is with me. Sure. But he says, we've, we just have to have more time with the body of Christ, Carl. People have to, he said, this going alone thing isn't cutting it. He says, I know it's the American way, but it's hurting us. Yeah. And he's right. But the amount of people that are ravaged through isolation and letting Thoughts rattle around in your head that you have no one to process them with. It's devastating. I mean, how many people in the American church are known? Not a lot. I'd how say, many are known? Oh, man, that's a good question. I would say probably somewhere between 5 and 10%. I, I think you're right. Yeah. 5 and 10% of the body of Christ are known by someone. And when I say known, what do we mean by that, Alan? I mean, more than just a casual friendship, but... We're integrated into each other's lives where, you know, not just somebody's uh, kind of Facebook or Instagram highlights, but you kind of know what their struggles are. You 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 uh, you have a, just a sense of where they are in life, how their family's doing, how their kids are doing, what their battles are. Yeah. What their what their what that one thing is that's that's preventing other blessings from yeah. God to come pouring in who they really are when kind of the their Sunday best is peeled off. Yeah. Give us a call. What did you learn? First generation immigrant, and you've got some observations about the church. And yeah, we're not looking for you to rip the church, but giving us honest critiques about where we can grow in the American church and what we're doing well. 312-274-9624. BJ in Chicago, what do you say, BJ? Uh, Good morning. How are you? Good. Um, so I'm, I'm a first-generation immigrant from Poland. I oh. came 28 years ago. Good. What you, what'd you and, say? And, uh, so the first thing that was so beautiful, it was uh, openness of American church. Uh, I came with an accent, not knowing the culture, and I, was, I just felt loved and embraced. Isn't that good just news? Just the way I was. Isn't that great, Alan? That's great so news. That, so, so that was one huge thing for me, and two, the abundance of um, resources. Um, we, 
as Christians and non-Catholics in Poland, we had very scarce resources. And here you've got Moody Radio and you have um, Payloff and you have, you know, I was, I was a young mom. I was, you know, taking care of my kids and I had Moody on all day long. So... Not including, not including Bible study materials and study Bibles and commentaries and experts. It's amazing, isn't it, BJ? Exactly. It, it's amazing. Amazing. Wow. So, so abundant. Do you think we take that for granted, BJ? Be honest with me. I do not know because I've never been a Native American, I mean, Native speaker and someone who was born here. So I don't know if we take it for granted, Christians yeah. You know, like, I do not know. I know that I was just taken aback by it. That's great. That's interesting. It's so cool. Thank you, BJ. Boom, sister. Thanks for calling in. It's so fascinating when people come from other cultures. Yeah. Because they see things are like, wow. And that's the second person from Poland who's had that same observation of yeah. specifically about the, the the availability of resources. Yeah. resources. You know, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I, I think as an, a Native American and being able to say for myself, yeah, I think we take it for granted sometimes, the abundance of resources. I've taken them for granted. I mean, we, you know, uh, what was it? Last year we had Bible League come in and we were talking about the Bibles yeah. and how, you know, one church uh, is sharing one Bible for 200 congregants and they're passing it around to each other or they're ripping pages out so they can spread it around more at, at one time. And it's like, Oh, I got like six Bibles at home. And oh, no, if I left one on the train, I left one on the train. Like, don't worry. I got like five more. You know, it's like there are a lot of resources here. And sometimes I think that we forget how valuable they are and how helpful they are to us. You're right, Young Thunder. Yeah. And I think that uh, familiarity breeds contempt Mm -hmm. and or at least complacency. Absolutely. And uh, it could be that the abundance of resources that we have almost lulls us into thinking that we're gathering or that we're garnering good things from them when it's left on the shelf too much. Yeah. When you have scarcity of resources, all of a sudden you're like, when you do get it, you're like, I'm going to use this. As opposed to when you're awash in this stuff. Sometimes we don't tap. Oh it. yeah, I mean, think about think about your pantry right now. I mean, if your pantry is like mine, I'm sure I have a, a, multiple things in there that have expired. Sure. Items in my pantry that have expired. <laughs> yeah, you you're know right. where they don't have expired products that they forget about in the pantry? Almost every other country in the world. Where where there's a scarcity yeah. of yeah. food. You, you nothing expires and has to get thrown away. Yeah, you're right about that. That's a good observation, man. Taking your calls, coming up, minute and a half. You're a first-generation immigrant. What's good? What's challenging? What do we need to learn? Where can we grow, and where are we winning? Just tuning in? Hear what you missed with the Carl and Crew Showcast. Just go to carlandcrew.org. All right, guys, top of the hour. We're going to go back to the encounter Paul had with the Athenians and how he looked at a culture and goes, Ooh, here's an opportunity. A lot of opportunities when you come in with fresh eyes to a culture. Boy, God can use you. And he's using you today, Boom Crew. We're asking you if you're a first-generation immigrant, what did you see that you're like, "Mm, we can grow in that area as a church in America? And what did you see that you go, that you're getting right? Want to hear from you right now, 312-274-9624. Let's go to Joe, first-time caller from Chicago. Joe, give us a, a little bit of your observations when you moved from India. Is that correct? 
Yes, I did. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me here. Um, and it's exciting to hear from Carl uh, that he traveled to India. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. let, let me tell you something, man. Mumbai, have you been to Mumbai, Joe? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh. Uh, I just went as a tourist uh, once uh, when, I was, when I was in college. Yeah, what a, what a city, man. What a city. I mean, yeah. you, better, you better have your head on a swivel or you're going to get knocked over by a three-wheeler or a car or a motorcycle because it is, it is something else. Go ahead, Joe. What's your observations, man? Yeah. Um, first thing, uh, I was tremendously blessed by the teaching of the Word, uh, the solid Bible teaching I received from my church. Yeah. I tremendously grew. Um, I have never, uh, you know, opened the Bible and, and uh, uh, felt nourished uh, in such a way. And I think that is something that is missing in so many churches in India. I would love for Indian churches to uh, preach the word, get that solid Bible teaching and uh, grow, uh, which is absolutely missing in, in the Indian church. <clears throat> so that is my first observation. I'm uh, tremendously blessed That's great. Uh, in our church. Um, and um, the flip side, uh, I think uh, one of the uh, challenges that I had was the um, uh, community that Ajit was talking about earlier. Um, you know, it, it was really hard for me to build relationships and community in our church uh, for years, and uh, it was hard. Um, and I think that is an area, I think uh, Ajit talked about, uh, you know, loneliness and all that. It will tremendously help our culture and, and uh, communities to grow in that um, if, if our church puts some effort in that area. Um, and the other thing that I, 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 I've noticed is that our churches have a, a hunger for outreach. And the question many people ask me is this, right? How do I out, uh, why are you not bringing your uh, Hindu friend or a Muslim friend uh, from India to church? And I, my answer is that hey, they will not come to step into the church. Um, as a church, we need to enable people who, are, who have the gift of evangelism and enable them to do the outreach in their neighborhood, in their community, be hospitable, open their homes, and invite them over. And, and God, has, in Providence, has brought the nations uh, to this land, right? And, yes. and it, 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 is, it, is a, it is my heart to see um, the church enable uh, um, the members who have the gift of evangelism to do that type of work instead of uh, thinking that pe people will flock to the church just by invitation. People will, uh, a Hindu or a Muslim would never step into the church right. um, un until they go through the experience of having a friendly relationship with a Christian first. Yeah, Joe, those are all great points, brother. Yeah. Boom. First time caller. I'll Joe, why haven't you called in here before? <laughs> Yeah. Come on, Thank Joe. You so much. You need to call in again. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm busting them out. No, Joe, you're a good man. You're a good man, Joe. First time caller. Way to go, my man. Ah, good observations, observations. there. Yeah. Good stuff. Taking your calls, Boom Crew. This is a call out for those of you who are immigrants, first generation immigrants. Uh, when you came to the American church from whatever church background you had in your home country, what culture shock did you experience? What did you see that you thought, wow, my church culture back home could learn from this? And what did you see that you kind of made you scratch your head a little bit and go, I wonder why they do it this way? Let's go to Angelica calling in from Chicago. Angelica, tell us where you're originally from and what your uh, perspective was coming to the American church. Um, I came uh, 
Long time ago to Chicago. I came from Venezuela. Good. So I was looking for, I was raised Catholic. And I was looking for, of course, a Catholic church. So I started the, the, the church hunting thing. But um, somebody said before, it's no, it's no sense of community. You go and nobody knew anybody. Uh, I don't know. It was just very, very cold for me. So I, I tried a couple of churches, Catholic, but I couldn't find no even one church that was very warm or, you know, I don't yeah. know. It was just nobody nobody knew each other. You do the the ritual, up, down, up, down, pray, up, and go home. And then out so, the door. <laughs> huh? uh, no, I'm, I'm feeling that Allie's got a big old grin on her face here. So what did God do? So uh, what I... What I found was a Christian church, and I love it. I love it. Uh, they discuss more the Bible, you know. Uh, they, they study more the Bible. They, it's kind of like the whole uh, the whole service is about the Bible, one tract or whatever. In the Catholic Church, uh, it, it, for the country, it was like just 10 minutes, and that's all. You know, it was very... So you I got a little I spiritual snack, yeah. Yeah, well, I love it so much. Everybody knew each other. They're very welcoming. So I don't know. I I just changed my religion. I say, well, they're looking for Jesus. So I'm, and I love it. And I became a Christian. I get baptized, you know, and I, I changed my whole <laughs> A spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and Angelica, where you came from, that wasn't common. I get it, sister. That's Boom. Sweet. Appreciate you calling in. Sweet. I know some of you are listening here, Boom Crew, going, boy, we're really getting honest here today, <laughs> aren't we, guys? Yeah. We're asking an honest question from those that have come as immigrants to America. What's your experience? What's the cultural eyes that you bring to the situation? What have you got to add to the conversation? We'd love to hear from you. 312-274-9624. Learning to follow Jesus each and every day. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. It's a long flight to Mumbai, India. By the way, great people. 12 and a half million people, I think, right around there. Crammed into a tight space. And oh my goodness. So they have these three-wheeled rigs like that in Africa, I think they're called tuk-tuks. Somebody square me away on that one if that's not right. I think they're called tuk-tuks. But the three-wheeled little carts in Africa are really cool. And they have them in India. And I think they're called auto rickshaw, if I'm not mistaken. Or they call them autos. Funny names. But these little three-wheeled rigs, they've got a guy up front, man. He's got basically motorcycle handlebars. And he's got anywhere from one to... Seven people piled into the back seat. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, some people sitting on top. Well, I didn't see any top riders. Oh, okay. Yeah, none, none there. I just yeah. looked at the uh, looked at some pictures online, and there's there's pictures of people sitting on top of rickshaws. I'm glad you didn't see it. It sounds dangerous. Well, I mean, it's dangerous enough as is. Yeah, well, that's I mean, also fair. I will say this. You've got to have, there is a cultural understanding of how to walk in that kind of traffic, and jay, basically everybody's jaywalking, but... My goodness, the amount of, tra- I've never seen traffic like this, even in Manila. Really? Yeah, I've never seen it like this. It was something else, and I was loving it. Loving the traffic? Oh, just absolutely loving it. Why? Because it just looks like a beehive. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you didn't have anywhere you needed to be? Well, or? no, I mean, it was. It would get, yeah, it would get clogged up. Horns? Oh, yeah. They're not used as as expressions of anger there. 
They're more to communicate, it's right? It's a cultural thing you just lay on the horns. Yeah. And really? so what you hear from my room yeah. at 10 p.m., Mumbai time, just constant horns. Huh. Very interesting stuff. But that's yeah. how you get around. That's the turn signal in Mumbai. <laughs> I love it. Coming. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, taking your calls here today, guys. And then I got a fun story of what happened when I was doing my connection from from Zurich, Switzerland, not Lake Zurich. Got it. Um, and it was a cool little blessing God gave me. But we're asking you a question this morning. This is for a first-generation immigrants. If you had exposure to church culture back home and then you came to the American church, what did you see? What were your observations? The kind of two sides to this. What did you see that you thought, wow, a church back home could really learn from this? And what did you see that maybe you offer some constructive critique on of like, why do you do it this way? Just genuinely wondering why. 312-274-9624. We've heard lots of feedback this morning on everything from the duration of services to the hugging to yeah. uh, the the approachability of the American church as a positive that, that feels like a place where I'm I'm loved. Yeah, we want your feedback. Uh, by the way, Ajit just texted me. Said, That's how I got to school every day was on autos, oh, these wow. three-wheel drags. Wow. Now— but you wouldn't send your kids to school on these things in America. No, you wouldn't. No, you would not. Some parents have a hard enough time sending their kid to school on the bus. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'd send my kids to school in an auto, but with some strict instructions. Yeah. Now, yeah Keep your hands sure. inside. Whew. No messing around, man. Don't shift your weight too much. Yeah, there are no seatbelts in those things. No. Ajit. He's listening at home. Are there seatbelts in these three-wheeled autos? I mean, and they if, fly. If there's six or seven people... Well, well, that's yeah, true. No, they're not getting not. Them buckled in. I'll get a text back from him any second now. Uh, taking your calls, Rachel in Chicago. You're from South Africa. Where were you in South Africa? I lived there for a year, Rachel. Well, I was uh, raised in Harare, near a little town, and then um, the family moved to Cape Town. Oh, Cape Town's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, what do you say? What did you learn, both good and something that we can uh, maybe grow up in as the church? Well, um, I would like to um, to add to what a couple of previous callers said about the sense of community. Um, to me, it feels more like, you know, you belong to the church, you're a member of the church, but you don't have belonging. Community. Yeah, belonging. Yeah. That's a real challenge. Rachel, have you mm. found, how long have you been here from South Africa? How many years? 20 years. Are you finding community, and how long did it take to find it? I'm still trying to. Mm. It's like, for example, especially now after COVID. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking around. I'm sitting in a church, and, you know, um, if you go to a, a certain church for a long time, you become familiar um, to the people. You see them. You don't have a relationship with them, but you see them coming in and going out. Especially yeah. the ones and that now, sit, sit in your um, area. Yeah. Yeah, you sit in your area, you have your spot. <laughs> and now I'm looking after COVID and I'm looking at people and I'm like, I don't see this one anymore. And I wonder what happened. Yeah. What happened to that lady and that man? And I can't even have the freedom to ask yeah. because there's no sense of belonging. I don't have that freedom because there was never that connection. And that to me is like so sad because back at home, um, I remember when somebody passed, um, you know, 
everybody was involved. You better believe um, it. The whole village, you, you, the whole you know, city. I, and I was thinking, if I die tomorrow, will my pastor even know I die? That's how big our congregation is, you know? Yeah. So that sense of belonging to me is like, uh, even even in uh, um, uh, women's ministry, uh, we don't have that. And back at home, we had like a regular monthly women's fellowship, and um, we don't have that. And I think, you know, um, sometimes the protocols and the procedures of the church are different in the sense of this is how they do things. And um, in a way, is probably to bring order to the church. I don't know, but that is definitely one of the things that I yeah. find yeah. in Rachel. America that's missing. Yeah, Rachel, thank you for calling wow. in. And uh, it's a great word. Uh, that's a great word. It's a sobering word. I, I think any pastor out there listening right now, immediately in their heart, they're going, shoot, we can't let the Rachels be sitting out there not seen, yeah. Yeah. not known. If I, I would agree. If I died tomorrow, would my pastor even know? It's a hard mm. statement. And it that's is. not a, it's not a knock against no, the, the, pastor. the pastor, but it, it, we've gotten a couple of different comments on the, from people who come from other cultures, how difficult it is to find community because of the way we structure church here. Yeah. 312-274-9624. Give us a call. You're an immigrant, first-generation immigrant. You got some observations, some things that we can grow in, some things that we may be doing well in. What do you say? You got fresh eyes. We want to hear from you. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys. Uh, great discussion here today. It's a lot of fun. Ah, taking your calls. You are a first-generation immigrant, and you learned some things when you came to this culture. Some that we can grow from, some that we can be affirmed in. We're not afraid to hear on both sides. 312-274-9624. While we're getting some calls in here right now, uh, let me tell you a cool thing that happened. So I was in Mumbai, India, and we were there with India Partners for the express purpose of really helping liberate and seeing what God is doing through a ministry over there to see women and their children freed from sex slavery. I don't even like the trafficking word. That almost makes it sound like we're, it just dumbs it down. This is sex slavery. Guys, when you got women turning 10 to 40 tricks a day, they're having to be on pretty strong drugs because physiologically, God did not design people to do this. And the pain is so intense that most women are drugged up or alcoholed up mm. just to withstand the pain every day. Every day. Any of you that are born with this notion that we're born good, that human nature is generally good, you need to get out a little more. Yeah. You need, you need to get out a little more. You're obviously in a very closed box. <laughs> because this world is ugly. We live in a broken, sick world. It's desperately in need of Jesus. But to see God at work in these lives, and I'm going to be sharing more and more here as we get closer to, I think we're going to do a one or one or two-day campaign. Like two, two days. Partnership. Two-day partnership? In oh, April. my goodness. In April uh, for um, India Partners, and we're going to raise a lot of money. And you guys are going to go for it because these safe houses and these, they've got women and men who have taken up residence to love and take on as family these children of women that are enslaved in red light districts who are bold enough to try to get them a, a different life. 
And these kids are clinging to Jesus in ways that we need to learn here in America. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's absolutely beautiful, man. And it's so overwhelming to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in these kids' lives. It's overwhelming. Uh, but I've got a cool, funny story is I was, I was coming back from Mumbai a few days ago, a couple days ago, and um, man, I, my stomach was churning because whether it's the flora or I picked up something, because I'm not as careful as my bride tells me to be when I go on these trips <laughs> and uh, probably got a little something from somewhere and then pile in several days of Indian food m- morning through evening which is so good. So I'm churning. I get stopped in Zurich or layover in Zurich, and I'm freezing cold. My body temperature is cold, and my jacket was in my carry-on that got pulled from me in Mumbai because it was weighed too much because I had electronic equipment in it. And so now I'm freezing, and I've got a a seven-and-a-half-hour layover in Zurich. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a beautiful terminal. Could they turn the heat up? Everybody's got jackets on. And I'm like, oh, it's just frozen. Get on the plane headed for Chicago on Swiss Air, and I'm the last one on the plane, and I'm like, oh, I just need to get sleep, and I'm fried, and I'm hungry, and probably feeling sorry for myself a little bit. Yeah. Just feeling, ah. And (laughs) I'm the last one on the plane, because I don't like to get on if you're going to be sitting there for nine and a half hours. Might as well stretch your legs until you got to be there. Last one on the plane. And the, the head flight attendant's there greeting everyone. She goes, so where are you coming from? And I don't think she asked everybody that question. That'd be a lot of work. I said, uh, Mumbai. She said, what were you doing there? And I began to share the story about what we were doing there. She was like, whoa, that is unbelievable. So I go back to my chair. My seat was 41B. We're talking deep in the end zone, folks. <laughs> I was going to say, many planes don't go pa- much past 41 if they go to 41 at all. I'm 41B, <laughs> baby. And um, doors are about to shut, and here comes the head flight attendant. She comes all the way back to my seat, and she leans down. She says, Mr. Clausen. I said, yes. She said, get all your stuff and come with me. So I grabbed my briefcase and a coat. And she takes me up to the front of the plane. She said, this will be your seat for the flight. Wow. And it's first class. Full lay down beds. That's the best. Chair with a back massager in it. Oh, boy. I turned that bad boy on and I turned it off nine and a half hours later. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. It was epic. I had four hours flat out. Had incredible food. I had these cozy socks that I put on over my, and I got warmed up, and the blankets in first class are, like, thick. Those ones in the coach class, you can't keep anything warm in those socks. They have blankets in the coach class They're, like, glorified tissues. Sometimes, but they're, they're like, the paper-thin They are. You're, like. You need four of those bad boys just to get your body temperature up. And don't you know these planes are colder than a well digger's backside? They're so cold. Yeah. But there I was parked up front. And you know what? I got a little choked up because I thought, wow, what a blessing. God, I am so undeserving of this. In fact, when I got off the plane, you'll appreciate this, Sally. I was able to sit there and watch how they're doing all that they do. And they're a machine up in first class. 
how in the world they keep this food hot and so delicious and just like you're at a Michelin restaurant or something. I mean, it's epic. And so near the end of the flight, I just wanted to say thank you. So I walked into the first class gallery, gallery and I said, hey, give me 30 seconds, ladies. It was all women up there. I said, give me 30 seconds. And there's six of them. I said, let me just to tell you something. I was undeserving of being up here in this section. I'm not the guy that can pop for these tickets. But I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I said, I just want to tell you, you ladies are awesome. You are killing it. The, 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 the way you work and the way you serve, I mean, this is unbelievable. I just want to tell you, this, this is epic, and you're doing a great job. You should have seen their response. <laughs> oh, goodness. Not, I can imagine. You cannot believe this. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, of all the incidents that they're making headlines on flights, it's not great positive passenger behavior. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. That's also true. So yeah, I'm sure right that that was that. a <laughs> welcome. It, it, was a, it, was a neat, it was a neat thing. It was a neat thing. What a blessing from the Lord. That is, that's so cool. I'm Take, so glad that you got to experience yeah, that. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Giovanni, first time caller, Homer Glenn. What do you say, Giovanni? Hi, Carl. Good morning. What, what's your observations? Where'd you come from? I come from Ecuador. Ecuador. I think that's yes. near the equator, right? Yes, equator. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Tell us what you learned. Well, um, I came here 20 years ago and, uh, 15 years ago, there was this wonderful, um, lady that invited me to a Bible study. And she invited me to church, and um, uh, she welcomed me with open arms, uh, which was wonderful. She went the extra mile to befriend me. We've been friends for 15 years already. I consider her a spiritual friend, you know. And um, uh, the only observation I'll have to make is that there are some cliques in the church, and uh, maybe people that grew up together went to the same school, same college, and they are nice and they're friendly, but they do not go the extra mile to befriend you, um, to get to know you. That can be hard. And, yeah. Yes. And, and when you come from a different country, that's what you're looking for, you yeah. know? But uh, it, it's understandable. I get it. You know, people have their little clicks. That's my only observation I have to make, that be welcoming. And so I've learned to be welcoming because I come from a different country. So I welcome people and I invite them. And, you know, I try to go the extra mile to get to know them. Because you, yeah, yeah. you feel it. Yeah, you feel it. Wow. Giovanna. Sorry, we, we got your name wrong yeah. initially, Giovanna. Sorry, first time caller from Homer Glenn, originally from Ecuador. Carl got it wrong. Called him Giovanni. It's Giovanna. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Giovanna. We love you, sister. Yeah. Uh, what's that tell us we need to do in the church, Shelly? Oh, man. go! I, I The thing that she said that caught my ear was that the people were very nice. I know. Yeah. And and that was convicting to me because I thought, man, how many times have I been really nice to someone, <laughs> greeted them with a smile, maybe yeah. a hug, asked yeah. them how they were doing. But that was about all the time that I could give that right then. Yeah. And that go the extra mile. Hey, let me not just be nice, but let me try to bring you in and really get to know you. That's an area of growth that I know I need. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. That's convicting. Yeah. Because you don't have to be saved to be nice. No, put on a, put on a smile and shake somebody's hand and say, hey, how's it going? Nice to see you. 
We want to hear from you if you are a first-generation immigrant. We want to know what your perspective was, what your impression was when you came to the American church. What did you see that was kind of culture shock in a great way, going, man, I'm, I love the way you do this. And what did you see that was a culture shock and maybe a not-so-great way that you thought, I, I really wish you did this differently? 312-274-9624. Hang on with the team after the show. Just follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, it's Carl and Crew Mornings, and guess what? It is time because, hey, whether you think it's funny or not. Making herself laugh no matter who joins her. It's time for Allie Thinks It's Funny. The weather in Chicago has been a little frightful. A lot of ice, a lot of snow. This joke feels appropriate. What do snowmen eat for dessert? What do snowmen eat for dessert? Oh, it's not carrots. Hmm. Not carrot cake. No carrot relation here, although that would be fitting. Yeah, okay, one. Well, I mean, it'd be his nose, so you wouldn't want that to happen. No. Okay, ready? Yeah. Ice Krispies. Ice <laughs> Krispies. Treats. Ice Krispies or Ice Krispy Treats. I like Ice Krispy Treats I like Ice Krispy like Treats, like Krispy treats Oh, I like Ice Krispies. Oh, really? Yeah, that's great. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> no, it is funny. Okay. That's funny. That's a good one, Allie. And then this one is a little uh, a little farm animal humor. <laughs> you got to throw some farm This animal. is for your son. Does it involve poop? No, it doesn't. Okay. I try to keep it, you know, I try to keep it classy Clean over here on Alley Thinks It's Funny. We got standards over here. Well, not, not over here, but over there. <laughs> over okay. there. Let me gather myself. Why was the cow such a heartthrob on the it farm? It does have something to do with poop. Nope. The cow <laughs> was such a heartthrob on the farm. Why? He was a smooth talker. <laughs> <laughs> that one was. <laughs> that one even got lost. <laughs> Ali, I have a question. You were composing oh, yourself from that before that joke. Were you myself. composing yourself because you knew what the joke was? Yeah, I had to get ready. I had uh, to gear up for that one because oh, the delivery was, was everything. <laughs> Oh, that is so good. <laughs> I really did. This one okay. lives up to its name oh, because gotta I'm tell crying it again. laughing. You got to tell it again. I don't know if I can replicate it. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. I yeah. can't. I, I'm going to leave it like it's a good a comedian, which I'm not, but I hear good comedians. Somebody's, just... Somebody has taken a <laughs> shot at you through me. Oh, boy. They're saying Carl's trying <sighs> too hard to laugh. No, I'm not. I don't fake laughing. No, he does not fake laughing. I don't laugh. fake it. Here, here's the I thing. I certainly don't here's either. Here's the thing. I... Whether Carl laughs, Jonathan doesn't laughs, matter. you laugh, it doesn't matter. She doesn't care. Because I think they're funny. These yeah. jokes make me laugh. Yeah. Hey, there's horrible jokes that she laughs at, Boom Crew. I mean, awful jokes. It's true. Like the last one, in my opinion. Yeah, the horrible. Ice Krispies. I didn't like it. It wasn't that good. You, what, no, you didn't ice, like the Smooth Talker? I didn't like the Smooth Talker. Oh, you didn't like Jonathan. Smooth Talker? Okay. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, you did okay. not like that? Yeah. Do you yell at me like I missed a cult classic movie? Uh, yeah, or something? yeah, you <laughs> did. By the way, did you watch It's oh, a Wonderful Life? Okay, can I give no, the, I can I give out the jokes <laughs> before you? You are a liar and a creep. <laughs> okay, you're a horrible person. Wait, did you watch Elf? Yes, you did. Watch that stupid movie. Did you like it? No. Hey guys. <laughs> Allie thinks it's funny. You're this right. is my segment. Sorry, you're right. sorry, sorry. Let me finish. All right, Allie, finish it up. Or jokes, if you, you want. <laughs> if you want. 
today's uh, humor or non-humor. Text jokes to 312-274-9624. Text jokes, 312-274-9624. So we never checked. No, you didn't. Who watched the Christmas films? And I did watch Elf. Okay, do we we want to give a setup for what you're talking about? Give it, I Uh, guess. In December... Uh, as we were leading up to Christmas, we were talking about classic Christmas movies, and Carl mentioned It's a Wonderful Life, and I'd said I'd never seen it, and Carl was uh, distraught at my never seeing it. And he said, and you I have to. I struck a deal that you agreed to. I did, Let I your did. yes be yes. In fact, you <laughs> promised me. Now I find out, what a, what a turkey you are, man. I'm ticked off at you. You tell me you're going to watch it. I have I to did. bear through this stupid movie called Elf. Which <laughs> is one of the... Classic movies. Classic Christmas movies. Yeah. And you didn't watch All It's right. a Wonderful Life. I'm I am sorry. actually a little bit disappointed. I'm sorry. I, I'm big on you. I'm a big Young Thunder <laughs> fan. And frankly, I'm a little ticked. I okay. have to agree. He, he just really That's should fair. have watched it. That's fair. I messed up. I'm sorry. Can I give you a, a, a consolation? No. Okay. Well, no. I mean, it, it'll it'll you work. Wanted, it'll work. What's to, that? Today, yeah. while I go home. I will not take a nap. I will go and I will watch the movie. And, tom- and tomorrow you can check with me and I will have watched it. Oh, okay. N- does that no, make it better? Yeah, it does. That's Good. fair. I appreciate it. I don't Good. want anybody to ask me if I watched the movie. Though, I was just going to do it. And I thought <laughs> I'm going to have O for 2 here. Wait, I want to ask, Allie, did you watch It's a Wonderful uh, Life? I did not. <laughs> but I really liked when the heat was on you. Well, I knew it. <laughs> I did not. I, I did not. I'm sorry. You aren't sorry. And I'm not watching it Actually, today. I am. <laughs> she, at least she's honest about that. I'm not. I work with a bunch of Cretans and all Cretans I are I will liars. say, I genuinely feel bad at the fact that you watched Elf on my on my behest. Yeah, you, you didn't I did. enjoy it? No, I did fall asleep for the first few minutes. Okay. And then I woke up. <laughs> yeah. Jubes caught me up. And then I watched the rest of it. And did I'm you like, watch it by yourself or did you watch no, it with me and my, my And my bride looked at me and she goes, now why are we having to do this? <laughs> You made her watch it with you. Oh, man. Well, she were a team. That's so a good team. We do pain together. <laughs> you guys are funny. I can't believe both of you didn't see sorry. it. Sorry. I'm so sorry. That is so disappointing. Will you watch it sometime soon? I will. I definitely want to see it. Because it's so good. I do want to see it. Yeah, you'll love it. I think you'll really be moved, Young Thunder. I'm ready you to really be moved. Do. I'm ready. <laughs> I can't hardly believe that. I'm sorry. All right. All right, uh, thanks for saving this song. Let's play this. Oh, no, let's go back to the phone lines here. Okay, let's get a reset here. We are asking this question to uh, first-generation immigrants. You came to this country from somewhere else in the world where you had some exposure to church culture there. What did you think of the American church, uh, both positive and negative? What did you see that you thought, this is awesome? What did you th- see that maybe puzzled you a little bit, that you thought, I wonder, I wonder why they do it this way? Uh, give us a call. We'll take more of your calls. 312-274-9624. Thank you to Martin, first-time caller from Chicago, for holding on this morning. Uh, Martin, tell us uh, where you're from and what your impressions were of the American church. Good morning, guys. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. So we came to the States 11 years ago, and the the great thing, the positive thing, it's like we went to a big church about like 400, like congregation of 400 people, multicultural. So the great thing, the good thing was, or the positive thing was how much they care about youth and children and the materials and programs they have. Which in the Middle East don't have that much. Where Are you free to say where you're from in the Middle East? From Iraq. From Iraq. Thank you. 
Wow. Yes. And the sad thing, and then I turn it to a funny thing, in the first few months or one year, like people, they don't realize there are still Christians in Middle East. So people, <laughs> they, they always ask me, they were asking me, what's your real name? So first I was feeling sad. I tell them, guys, from the day I was born, my dad called me Martin. And my siblings, my daughters are foreign names or biblical names. So I start turning it to funny thing. I ter- tell them, guys, Jesus was born in Middle East. He wasn't born in Arizona. <laughs> so that was, then I would start pr- teaching about that. Like, we, because we are minority in Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, we call our kids foreign or biblical names to know each other from the name. To be, uh, yeah. like, to be known, you know? So that was interesting. Like, people, they don't have knowledge about the history of the Christianity and this kind of stuff. No, you're right. It often becomes, I, I think you're right, we become very myopic. We actually think that Jesus was born in Topeka, Kansas, yeah. and mm. made the sojourn <laughs> or something. Uh, Martin, let me ask you a question. Uh, what yes. What's it like for committed followers of Christ in Iraq? And do you have any intel on what's going on in, uh, on in Iran as well? Give us your insight. Oh, I, I, so I was, I was born in the in north of Iraq, and from Catholic background, and my life, like, I was born again in 97 through a ministry of Camps Crusade, but in the <sighs> Middle East, it's called different. It's called something else. Yes. I don't want to share the name. No, thank you. Yeah, and then uh, I, at, after years, I worked with, with Camps Crusade in Iraq, and we noticed, also I worked with U.S. Army there when they came 2003, we noticed so many people coming from Iran to Iraq because in north of Iraq, we have more freedom in preaching. So people coming from Iran to get baptized in Iraq. Wow. So there is, now there is more freedom, especially in north of Iraq. Is, the, under, is the underground church in Iran and in Iraq, is it, is it going strong? And do they, in, yeah. We don't have underground church in Iraq. Iraq is open. It's open. Yeah, see, it's I think that's something I didn't know. Yeah. Especially in North in Kurdistan. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, it's yeah. Thank you for your insight, Martin. And that's funny. What was your What was your real name? That's hilarious. I've been Martin since I was born, right, Martin? <laughs> Martin, and then with with like with a British accent because we studied British curriculum in school, so I can't say Martin. I say Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is great. You're killing me, my man. Way to go, my man. You know what? I'm feeling generous. Stay on the horn. You waited a long time. Would you like a Carl and Crew prize pack? I don't want to force it on you. Would you like one? What is that? A Carl and Crew prize pack. Would you like a prize pack? Of course. Why not? Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll right send answer. you one. Hang, Hang on. Tight. We'll get your information Hang soon. on, Martin. Good, good call. Wow. What? This has been a very fascinating morning. <laughs> this is great. I'm learning man. a lot. This is great. I love I love it, man. Hearing from all of our brothers and sisters, followers of Christ who are immigrants to our country, really cool stuff. What an encouragement that there's so many people from different backgrounds listening to Moody Radio. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.